0: Well, it is officially the Christmas season, and so I know that a lot of you heathens, you started a few weeks ago before Thanksgiving, um, and um, I'm out, I don't want to chastise you anymore, but, but now that that's over, we're, we're in the Christmas season, and it is. It's the greatest time of the year, right? Um, for some. It's, it's the most difficult time for others, but, but it is special. It, it is unique. Like, there's just something different about the atmosphere for the next several weeks, and there's something different about time with family and family movies that, that's just significant. I believe it's for a reason. And, and, and as we're coming into this season, I wanted to do something that, that really spoke, hopefully, to everybody. And, and I don't know about you, but I love, I love Christmas movies. I love holiday movies. As long as they're not Hallmark, that's trash. Don't want any of that in my life. But but the good stuff, I like the good Christmas stories. One of my favorites is uh, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. You guys familiar with that, right? Uh, I believe everybody is. I mean, it's it's one of the most popular stories ever Told, right? There's this dirt bag named Scrooge, man. He's just all about money, abusing people around him. And then he's haunted by like his former coworker. I mean, so it's got some like Christmas and some horror story in it. I mean, what's better than that? And then these ghosts come to him and reveal all the places that he's missed it. And he has an opportunity at redemption. It's a beautiful story. And again, I believe that If you haven't heard it, you've heard some type of adaptation of it. And I believe the reason we like it so much is because, one, we all like an underdog story, right? We like when somebody who doesn't deserve grace or doesn't deserve to win or has everything stacked against them, that they come through and they succeed. That's great. But I think that the real thing that draws us into it is we see ourselves in the story. And unfortunately, if you're like me, I don't see myself as Tiny Tim, right? This, this like, innocent guy that everybody loves. Like, I'm the dirtbag Scrooge. And, and, and that's how I was a lot of my life. And I think that's the thing that we all, even though we don't want to admit it, that's what we see ourselves as. We see ourselves as this guy who has an unsavory past, He's done some unsavory things, but he was given an opportunity at redemption. And I think that's what speaks to us. And even though Charles Dickens wasn't overtly Christian, I believe he accidentally, man, wrote a story that's full of the gospel message. And I don't think that was his intent, but I believe that's what he's done. He's, just, he's painted this Christmas story, the true Christmas story, but in a unique way. And so for the next few weeks, I want to parallel that story. And so we've titled this series a Christmas series instead of a Christmas carol so that we couldn't get sued or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but, but we're going to look at some different aspects uh, of this story and, and biblical truth that I believe speaks to us, our situations and, and our recovery. And so tonight's message is titled this, The Ghost of the Past. Because as as Scrooge was was haunted by his coworker, right, and he said, listen, man, you're going to be judged. You're going to face judgment. There's a haunting coming. There's damnation coming for you. And then he's visited by these spirits that begin to reveal these places where he's missed it. And then finally reveal his future if he doesn't change his ways. And so I believe that we all at some point are haunted by that ghost from the past and it begins to rear its head up and and we're all facing judgment. And so I wanna start there with that judgment part. I mean, because it's a reality. And we see it in Hebrews, starting in chapter uh, 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts. And so the writer of Hebrews begins to paint this picture about God's word, revealing our hearts, right, which is something that happened to Scrooge. His true intent of his heart was revealed. But then it goes on and it says this, Nothing in all creation, say nothing. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. Say accountable. I mean, so that's the picture. Like Scrooge is told, you're, you're building this chain, this chain that you'll bear for the rest of your life. And, and the same is, is true for us, right? That, that we all have that. Now, Scrooge is painted an inaccurate picture, right? Through works, he can be saved. But as Christians, as believers in here, we know a different truth, the truth, which the writer of Hebrews reveals. He says, so then, say so then. So then, so because everything's exposed, because God sees all, because this is what we're facing, this judgment, so then, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do. That's such a different picture than what Scrooge had, right? We, we have a, a Jesus that understands our weaknesses, right, that, that understands that we fail, that we miss it, that this flies into the face of the picture that we feel of this defeat, of this guilt, of this shame. God understands, and guilt and shame says, you know, God doesn't, but, but here we see this, right? He understands what we face For he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let's not hide. Let's not be held back or held down by the things of our past. Let us come boldly to the throne of God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find the grace to help us when we need it most. And so the reality is that, that yes, we, we have the same judgment, but... But our our outcome, our ending is different if we trust in Jesus. No amount of work will save us, but we can come boldly to the throne of God in spite of everything because of what Jesus has done. And so tonight, I want to start with the first ghost, the ghost of the past. And and as Scrooge was visited by that, he was taken back to his childhood, taken back to all these places he's missed it. And if, if we're being honest, that's all of us, right? We face those time and time again. And and often, so often, my my past comes back to haunt me. It stares me in the face. And I begin to feel that shame and that guilt because I forget what the writer of Hebrews said, that I can come boldly to the throne of a gracious God because of Jesus. But the enemy convinces me, no, you can't because I'm being haunted by my past. This ghost shows up. The enemy leverages it against me and uses it to sway me and push me away from a God that loves me and has redeemed me. And so what do you do when the inevitable happens? When you make a mistake and you're reminded that's all you'll be. Of course you messed up. You're a failure. Nobody loves you. That you're an addict, a drunk, a loser, a failure. What What do we do when the past shows up? It gets in the middle of whatever we're doing and attempts to disqualify us and attempts to drag us away from the throne of God that we're supposed to come boldly before. And so we're gonna look at that tonight. And so if you are struggling with the ghost of the past, the first thing I want you to know is this, we are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our past. And this is a hard truth to swallow. It's a hard truth to swallow because there's something inside of us that causes us to carry our failures with us. And, and I don't understand what it is, but that's what we do is we load up this luggage and we drag it around to relationship, to relationship, to situation, to situation, and we hold on to it. And, and it's something that's uniquely human, but it's not unique to us. Everybody does it. Now, everybody does it. I'm even, I'm arrogant. Like I think I can do things I shouldn't think I could do, which is why I have a broken rib and a broken hand, right? And, and because of that, I shouldn't fall into this category, but I do. I do. Even me, who thinks I can do anything, I want to carry these failures with me. When I entered my relationship with my wife, when we began a marriage, you know what I carried with me? All my broken relationships. All my moments of failure. And they begin to impact that. With my children, I've done the same thing. When I stepped into ministry, I said, I can never do that. I didn't graduate. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. This is all I'll ever be. And and I convinced myself of this. And, And the only thing it did was benefit the enemy. And it pulled me away from the place that I'm supposed to boldly go to. And so we need to understand, again, our past does not define us. Your past, your failures, as real as they may be, they do not define you. They do not define who you are who you'll be or where where you'll go. And so we're gonna look at 2 Corinthians to start with tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter five. We're gonna start in verse 14. And Corinthians here, there's two. There's a 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And so um, they were letters written by the apostle Paul to the church of Corinth. And so 1 Corinthians deals with a lot of their failures. And then 2 Corinthians is after they've corrected some of them. And so here's 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 14. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So it's it's an interesting thing to say. We believe that Christ died for us, so we also believe we've died to our old life. Well, that's not what society tells us, right? It's every mistake, every failure should carry you for a lifetime. You know, the thing I'm grateful for the most in life, aside from Jesus, is the fact that there was no cameras on phones when I was 16, that I would be disqualified, that there was no people recording me or social media. I don't know how kids are doing it these days, but these days they are haunted by that. And that's what society pushes, right? We have people in their thirties that lose jobs because of something they did when they were 12. It's insanity. And it flies into the face of God's gospel message that people can change through Jesus, that people can be redeemed through the power of God. But, but society, the world wants to say, no, you're, all you are are your failures. All you are are your mistakes and the places you've missed it. But he says, since we believe Christ died for us all, we also believe that we've died to that life. It doesn't define me. It's apart from me. It's no more. He continues. And he says, he died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer, say no longer, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so as we die to our old life, the truth is we have to step into the new life. That, that's defined by Jesus. That's defined by the cross. And the cross says we're redeemed. The cross says we're set free. And, and that's the truth we have to hold on to. every time the ghost of the past comes. Every time that these failures and the mistakes rear their head, we can say, you don't define me, Jesus does that you don't, you don't get to, to call me that. You don't get to put that on me no more. Jesus says I'm set free. Jesus says I'm a new creation. It continues. It says, so we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Why? Because of Jesus. We have to stop looking at each other as past mistakes, as past failures, and begin to look at each other, begin to look at ourselves through the reality of the cross. Again, if if I had to continue to drag that baggage with me, I would never be good enough to step foot up here. I could never work hard enough to be qualified for this. I could never work hard enough to deserve my wife's love. I could never work hard enough to be a good dad or any of these things that that I I have to reconcile my life through my pursuit of Jesus. And so again, he says, so we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. And then in verse 17, he says, this means that anyone, say anyone, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say new person. New person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's not anyone who works hard enough. Anyone that had all the right answers. No, it's just one thing. Those who call upon Jesus, this is true. Those of us that become Christ followers, Jesus followers, this is true. And you may be in here tonight and that may not be your story. And my heart aches for you. I love you. And I'm grateful that you're here. But I want you to realize this, that the same that's true for me, that, that past mistakes, 18 years of addiction brought into my life, there's some awful stuff in there. But no more. God's redeemed me. I'm a new person, new creation, because I call upon the name of Jesus. And the same can be true for you. And then I, just, I just ask you during the season, be open, be receptive to what God may have for you. This truth here, If you're fighting your past, if it's attacking you right now, I encourage you to begin to call upon the name of Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to live inside you so that this can be you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And I love that. It's gone. It's gone. It's no more. During Thanksgiving, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite desserts is a sweet potato casserole. Just discovered it a couple years ago. It's phenomenal. Love it. So good. I I could eat the whole 13 by nine. Um, So, you know, we had some for Thanksgiving. It was delicious. And then I wanted some the other day and I forgot that it was gone. It was gone, right? And so it wasn't there. Now, the word gone there doesn't mean that it's hiding in the back of my fridge with all the other Tupperwares and leftovers, right? It, It doesn't exist in my house anymore. Like it's gone. And that's a weird analogy. but That's the truth here, right? Your life, your old life, your old mistakes in the sight of Jesus, in God's, in God's perfume, it's gone. No more new creation, new person set free from all of that for those who call upon the name of Jesus. Your past does not define you. When you become a Christ follower, only he does. And so in verses 18 and 19, it says, and all of this is a gift, say gift, It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And I love that. You know what I love about gifts? I don't gotta pay for them, right? That's, that's the most beautiful thing. When somebody gives me something really nice and it didn't cost me anything, it, that's salvation. That's this truth. That, that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. That's what Paul's trying to tell us in Corinthians. That, that's the gospel message. That's what the season is about. that God's gift to you, who call upon His name is you're set free. That's no more. You're new, something special, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And it says, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So beautiful. It's so beautiful, yet so difficult. And maybe you've conquered it before maybe you've come to this place time and time again and i just want you to know this don't di- don't get discouraged because if you're like me you'll make a mistake and the enemy tries to bring it all back and say see i told you that's a lie though that's a lie your past does not define you however many times it shows up however many times it tries to drag you backwards You just remind it and remind yourself that's not who you are anymore. Your past does not define you. The second thing I want you to know when dealing with the ghost of the past is this. Our past is part of growing towards maturity. Our past is part of growing towards maturity. You ever hear that saying, um, everybody's got skeletons in their closet? Yeah, right? I mean, it's true. It's true. I, I don't know of anybody personally who hasn't failed epically in some form or fashion, right? Well, because we all do. We all have a past. We, we all have mistakes. And when that, when that shows up in our life, we convince ourselves that somehow we're different. Nobody understands. You ever thought that? How ridiculous is that? There's billions of people on the planet, but you're right. You're the only one that's ever faced your situation. Yeah, see how stupid that is? And I do it. I'm guilty of it. But... That's what we do and that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to separate you. You're the only one that goes through this. You're the only one that fails this way. You're the only one that mistreats their spouse. You're the only one that sucks at parenting sometimes. You're the only one that can't get this right and it's wrong and it's wrong. I mean, that's the whole premise of what Jesus came to do was to set us free and to save us because we're epic failures who couldn't do it on our own. And that's every one of us. We've all sinned. We all fall short. We've all missed the mark. And we have to understand this, that it's part of growing. It's part of growing. You know, when I look at my kids, there was a time they couldn't walk. And some of them, I still question whether they can. But there was a time they couldn't walk, and they would fail and mess up. And what does that come? It's a part of their story now, as they learn to walk. And the same is true with us. As we've come into our relationship with Jesus, as I became saved There was a journey, a terrible journey that I had to make to get here. It's a part of my story. God didn't do that to me, but but I have it. It's there. And every single one of us have something similar. Yours doesn't look exactly like mine, but yours needed Jesus just as much as mine did. That's the truth. That, that's what the ghost of the past doesn't want you to see, doesn't want you to know, that, that somehow even though yours might look messier than mine or messier than somebody else's, yours needed Jesus just as much as theirs did because our past, it's a part of growing and maturity. It's a part of pursuing Jesus. It's the reason for Christmas. It's the reason he had to come here in the first place because not one of us, not one of us could make it through without messing it up. Our past, our past is part of growing towards maturity. I want to I step over into Philippians just a little bit. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start here in just a moment in chapter 12. And Philippians, again, was written by the apostle Paul. And in all three of our points, I used Paul as an illustration because Paul, he had a past. Paul was this guy who, when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, He thought it was all farce. He hated, he hated Christians, hated the people that they were called um, followers of the way. And he sought to arrest them, persecute them, was even involved in the murder of some of them. And and he had this past that at any point could have been used to disqualify him. But, But he knew this, it didn't define him. And then everyone had a similar journey. And so here Paul is in Philippians chapter three, and it says, I don't mean to say, that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed me. And so I love that because here's Paul. Who had a personal, like one on one revelation from Jesus? Like Jesus showed up and, and knocked him down and blinded him. And, and that's Paul's story of salvation. I mean, you talk about an epic. I don't know if you've ever been jealous of somebody's story of coming to Christ, but I have. This is the story to be jealous of. Like, Christ appears and calls you and gives you a mission verbally, visibly, incredible. And then Paul's used to save thousands upon thousands of people and plant church after church. And here Paul is, like, he, he's the apostle of apostles. And he's saying, I'm not saying I've achieved it. What? Like, Paul, who wrote so much of our Bible, he wasn't perfect? No, he wasn't perfect either. And he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He's saying, I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to keep trying. I don't have it. It's not there yet. And going through all of this, every step, there's a process. I can guarantee you this. Paul had failures after he got saved. I can guarantee you this. There were regrets that he had even after becoming a disciple, even after pursuing Jesus. Because you know what? Like all of us, He wasn't instantly mature. He didn't instantly have it all together. He still had to journey through life, missing it and messing it up. And and he had the same story, the same need for Jesus that we have. And he had to go through a growth of maturity. Again, it may have looked different than ours, but the fact of the matter is, he still had to pursue it. He said, I press on? I press on to reach it. I'm not there, but I'm pursuing it. And he goes, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Say forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm not saying there's not lessons to learn from your past, right? We'll just push it out. That was a mistake. Just forget all about that. Now learn from it. But what he's saying is forgetting it. Like don't allow it to weigh you down. Don't allow it to trip you up. Don't allow it to, to make you stuck where you're at. Write it off as growth pains. Write it off for what it is. A step in the right direction. That even though you missed it today, it's okay if you keep pursuing Jesus, if you keep pressing on and pursuing the perfection that first possessed you. And so again, no dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He goes, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And he goes, let all who are spiritually mature." Agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. I love that last part. We must hold on to the progress we've already made. That's what the past tries to creep up and take from you. That's why the enemy leverages it against us so much. Because if he can convince us that that's who we still are, then every step we've made in the right direction is robbed from us. In an instant. And we're right back to square one. But, but Paul's saying, listen, you may not have it all together. That's fine. I don't either. But we're still moving forward, right? We're still pursuing the finish line. We're still seeking to please Christ and to serve him. And we can all agree. We can all agree. I love that last part. It's plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we've made. You've got to hold on. Keep seeking, keep searching, keep moving forward, keep pursuing your purpose and hold on to every inch you take from the enemy. Don't let your past define you and realize that those mistakes are growing pains. They're not reasons to start over. They're not a reason to give up. They're not reason to quit and throw it all away. It's part of the race. It's part of the race and just keep seeking him and pursuing him. The last thing I want you to know when dealing with the ghost of the past is this. It only has the power you give it. That's point number three. Our past only has the power we give it. Good or bad, good or bad, your past only has the power that you give it. That that I have, I have so much in my life that, that I could allow it to take charge and, and petrify me and and keep me from doing anything out of shame, guilt, or embarrassment. Or I can take all the stupid things I did and I can leverage them for God. Right? And that's the same decision you have. That your past, it only has the power you give it. You can allow it to keep you stuck. I can't tell you how many people I counsel that tell me, you just don't know the life I had. You don't know what I've gone through. But you know what? You're right, I don't. But, but I, know, I know my Jesus and I know what he can do in your life. And so, frankly, there's nothing that could have gone on that, that can keep you from being saved and from moving forward and, and being used by God. There's nothing, nothing there. Your past, if you're stuck by it, it's because you've allowed it to keep you there. Your past only has the power you give it. No more, no less. Again, no more, no less. That, that if it's holding you back, that's on you. That's on you. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you have relationship with him and you're pursuing him, your past at this point is your problem because he already dealt with it. He already gave you victory over it. It's already settled. You're already a new person, a new creation. And so anything at this point, as hard of a truth as that may be, is on you. It's on you because your past only has the power you give it. I want to end tonight in Romans, Romans chapter 6. It is my, probably my favorite book and chapter of the Bible. It's, it's just one of those things. I, I wish people could see its truth. And, and I just want to encourage you. I mean, if you do nothing else this week, just sit and read through Romans 6, the whole thing. But Romans 6, chapter 1, he starts off. He says, well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And I love that, since we've died to sin. Again, that's so much different than the picture the world paints for us, right? That, that we're victims, that we're slaves, that we're stuck, and it's not your fault. That's bull. That's bull because right here we can see that, that we can die to sin. That, that, that's the promise of the cross. That's what Jesus said. We've died to sin. He, he's handled it. He's taken care of it. And we, we can begin... To pursue Jesus in a new way, you don't have to be stuck in captivity by it. Now there's a process and you'll, you'll never be perfect this side of heaven, but you're no longer a slave to your past, to your mistakes and to your flesh. And he says, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How can we continue to live in it? Counseling people and and even myself, I've, I've said this and I've heard this and it's something I carried with me almost like a badge of honor for so long. And it was the statement, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. What a lie. What a lie. It's exact opposite of what Jesus said. Right? New person, new life. That if that's just who you are, it's because you've stopped putting in work. You've stopped pursuing. You've stopped seeking. That you, you've just become content, complacent. If that's the lie you've bought into, it doesn't, doesn't have to stay that way. And he continues, and in verse three, he says, or, you've, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of our Father, now we also may live new lives. Say new lives. New lives. New lives. So your, your past doesn't have to have power over you. Your failures don't have to continue to hold you back. Now, again, that's, that's the beauty of what God came to do for us right? It wasn't just to redeem us. And I say just like, I mean, it was a lot. Like God did a lot to, to bring us salvation. And I don't want to make that sound ins- insignificant, but, but there was things for here and now. It's not just about eternity. God, God began the work now in you, in this moment, new lives. So we also may live new lives. That's today. That's this, this marriage. These children, this community, this job, the new lives in this season. Your, your past doesn't define you. It doesn't hold you back. It's part of growing, and it doesn't have to have power over you anymore. As for we died, and we're buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Nothing that was crucified, nothing that was put on the cross came off alive except Jesus. Everything that went to the cross It's it's dead, it's gone. Just like my sweet potato casserole. It's no more. Old life is gone. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So sin might lose its power in our lives. So your past, your failures, your flesh may lose its power in your lives. We are no longer, say no longer, no longer slaves to sin no longer slaves to our failure no longer slaves to the things that the enemy's trying to leverage against us we don't have to be stuck there no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ we were set free say set free set free, set free from the power of sin your past only has the power you give it to recap tonight Point number one is this, we are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our past despite what everyone may tell you or what you may feel to be true in your heart. You're wrong. Your past does not define you. That is not who you are. Number two, our past is part of growing towards maturity. Everybody's got skeletons in the closet. Everybody. Don't convince yourself that you're the only one. That's just not true. Everyone has a past and our past is part of growing towards maturity. And number three, our past only has the power that we give it. No more, no less. And it can be, it can be to your detriment or you can leverage all those jacked up things you did for God's glory and, and use them for something good. Your past only has the power you give it couple action steps, identify the areas of your life where you've given your past power. If if it's holding you back in an area, if you're making that statement, this is just who I am, this is all I'll ever be or anything that resembles that, you're allowing your past to have power where it shouldn't. Number two, submit those areas to God's word and seek freedom from the weight of what you've left behind. Don't allow it to haunt you today. Don't allow it to show up and tell you anything. Learn from it and move on. Learn from it and move on and allow God to work in your life in significant ways. And and that's where all this starts. Everything that I talked about tonight, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. None of us can get past that. that. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of freedom. That's salvation, that's that new life. Everything I talked about pivots off of that truth that you, I can't do it for you. You have to seek Jesus. You have to seek relationship with him. You have to seek forgiveness for what you've done. And it's available to us all. Remember, it's a gift. You don't have to pay for it. It's already been paid for. You don't have to work for it. No amount of work could cost you to earn it. But everything we talked about tonight, again, it pivots on that. So if you're in here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never called upon him, you've never said, I can't do this. God, I need you. Forgive me. Forgive me. Save me. If you've never done that here at the end of service, we're going to have our chip prayers and huggers up front. And we would love to pray with you and for you and lead you into that relationship with Jesus so you can experience freedom from your past, so you can experience salvation, so you can be made new tonight in this place before you leave. And if you're in here and you've done that, you've gotten off track, you've missed it, you've messed up, blowing it, I get it. I get it, I've done that. We, We all, we all do that we're imperfect remember our past is just part of growing and so as well-meaning as we may be we're still we still mess up and so if you need to recommit tonight same offer I encourage you here at the end of service to come down front and allow us to pray with you and for you so you can recommit yourself tonight and then Maybe you're in here and, and, and God's just been dinging you. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you and, and you're realizing that, that there's something you need to let go of. Maybe it's an unhealthy truth that you've been holding on to or lie. You know, something that the enemy keeps pushing against you and you're like, no more, it's time to set this down. We've got you. Or, or, or maybe it's a hang up, an addiction, a struggle of any kind. We wanna encourage you to come down and get one of our white chips. And I get it. You may be sitting there like, that's just a piece of plastic. Yeah, it is. It is. That's not what's significant. What's significant is when we step out of our seat in faith, knowing that when we come down here, the real work is in our, our action of coming before him. That, that God recognizes that and he, he'll gift us with freedom. He'll do a work in us. And so if you're in here and you're, you're feeling anything, I want to encourage you to get a white chip tonight. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're in here tonight and and you just need somebody to journey with you. The holiday season, it's hard, it's difficult. And you just wanna know, is there anybody that cares? We do. And we would love to pray with you and for you. And so for any of those things tonight, to receive Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front and allow us to pray with you. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.